Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with James Once every millennium something will come along When you feel it you will know it cause it's coming on strong That thing, that thing, that thing James, sit back, relax, deep breaths, no stress, let me come inside your mind, I promise you it won't take long, the change will happen soon, you will feel something so special growing deep within you, that thing, that thing, that Welcome to episode 9 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. That's me! What do we have today? What do we have today? What do we have? What do we have? What do we have today? What do we have today? What do we have? What do we have? What do we have today? That's called inhale singing. That's called inhale singing. You can sound like, you've got mail. You've got mail. Hmm, hmm, hmm. You've got mail. One, two, testing, testing. Syphilis, syphilis. One, two, one, two. You've got mail. Let's see what's on the docket for today. I wrote some stuff out because this is my second take of episode nine. I recorded yesterday. This is a Sunday. Uh, Sunday the... Twenty fourth of March, year twenty nineteen. I recorded an hour long episode yesterday, and I was not happy with it. I I tried to be happy with it, but I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? It is not living up to my standards. I'm not loving it. I'm gonna fucking redo it, and I'm redoing it right now. What I did wrong yesterday in the previous recording of this episode is that. I didn't have anything to talk about, really. I hadn't thought about what to talk about. I I didn't have anything to say. Well, I thought some shit out today. Uh, Also, I've got some important news after this. Um, So, episode nine. Uh, Let's see here. Um, I'm not in love with yesterday's take, so here's the plan. Okay, I'm going to address an email from Jaime. Uh, I'm going to talk about getting turned down for an audition. I'm going to talk about what that feels like. I'm going to talk about how to avoid scam agents. And I'm also, if I get to it, I might tell a story about a cousin of mine who's a swinger. Um, or possibly a cock. Oh, I just thought of that. Okay. But before we get into any of that business... Um, I, I first want to let you guys know some big, big news. I got my first sponsor. Nine episodes in, and I've got my first sponsor. This is fantastic. Uh, so this episode is sponsored by Rectal Stimulation. If you aren't tickling your tuchus, you aren't treating yourself right. 
rectal stimulation, there truly is more to life than this. So that's cool. I've got a sponsor. Um, I've got another sponsor as well. Uh, we're still working on the copy of what we want to say uh, for the second company. But last but not least, this episode is also sponsored by my one Patreon subscriber. You know who you are, and you know I'm grateful for this shit. Thank you so much. Now, for the rest of you who may not know, I do have a Patreon account set up for this show. Um, if you have extra change or anything and you want to help me out, that would be great. I can get more and better equipment for you, have more stories to tell, and just deliver you more and better content um, as time goes on. Uh, plus, uh, my wife is kind of... Eh, she's threatening to leave if I don't start making more. So... Thank you to my one subscriber. Um, you are a blessing and a half for all the reasons you know. Thank you so much. It's really nice to... Uh, oh, oh, also, back to the Patreon stuff. Um, I, I'm still pretty new to all of this. So I... I have not made a lot of extra content. I'm still trying to get into the groove of getting a new episode out every week and trying to make it fresh, make it as fresh as I can. Um, and uh, so right now I don't have any like extra content, uh, but eventually, hopefully sooner than later, I will uh, be putting extra content on my Patreon account, exclusive, exclusive, Patreon, exclusive content on my Patreon account, um, which would be available for my lovely, beautiful, blessed Patreon subscribers. Um, but as I mentioned a minute ago, I'm still new to this. I'm still getting in the groove, learning how to get this ball rolling. So I don't have any, I haven't put any extra content up. I don't know what it might be writings. Um, some recordings of songs I'm working on, ra random rants possibly. I'll put that kind of stuff on there. Just, um, yeah, I'm still early in the year, dealing with a lot of like, tax stuff, juggling a lot of different balls, just trying to get in the groove. But I will get that on there. So for right now, I'm essentially busking on Patreon. Um, and I have one patron of whom, again, for the third time, fucking bless you so much. It is not just about the subscription and the money that comes with the subscription and also your help with my gear, which is you've helped me <laughs> elevate this thing. The sound on this is so much better than in the first few episodes um, uh, w without the, the mic that I have now, thanks to you. Um, it, it, beyond material things, it's nice to have your help or anyone's help for that matter. Because in my line of work, um, which I don't get to rely on solely yet, uh, but that's my dream. I, I, I don't dream of huge riches and stuff. That's not to say if huge riches and fortune came my way, I wouldn't accept it. I would definitely be happy to pay my fucking taxes on it no matter what the bracket because taxes help us fucking function as a society okay okay james drink some water you're getting hot Whew. 
So it is a little warm today. It's supposed to be warmer tomorrow, Monday. It's like going to be 85 the last I checked. Fahrenheit. Mm. Water. Cool down. Um, beyond material things, it is a blessing to have a patron or any friends or family or strangers who are supportive of any endeavor you pursue um, in, in any walk of life. Um, but especially in when it comes to the arts, I believe. Because when it comes to the arts, it's all about, I mean, it's not all about, but the blood of it, the thing that makes it alive is expression. Art is expression and communicating that expression and finding a way to express that expression that most accurately describes what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're experiencing from, uh, from abstract art to fucking prose or even just a sign like painting a sign in front of a place the way you do it expresses what's inside you it's speaking with language it's speaking with true um uh, uh, true human language speaking em the emotional language which cannot be defined in any other way than through art and i believe that there is art in the sciences as well Science is an art, and art is a science. Um, but it's nice to have support because uh, when you're really committing to being an artist, uh, there comes a point where, you know, the straight job kind of gets in the way a little bit and gets in the way of pursuing um an artistic career. No, it doesn't have to. I'm, I mean, there are fucking, I'm sure, millions of people who do art and who also have a full-time day job. And they're artists too. Uh, but then there are other people who just can't really deal with the day job kind of, uh, straight job kind of thing. And like, they need to go full in on the artistic career, on that pursuit. And it ain't fucking easy. I've talked about it before on here. It ain't fucking easy. And uh, and you feel alone. That's probably the hardest thing is that for most people, um, for most artists uh, or, and, or aspiring artists, you're alone. You're alone. It's not like you're making a math problem or solving some kind of... Uh, scientific thing that has a solution when it comes to fine arts there is no solution you know there is no two plus two equals four uh which is to say there's no right answer and when you're grappling with a beast with a question that has no answer has no correct answer it has many answers but there is no one correct answer um, that can be difficult because you don't know if what you're saying is accurate you don't know if it's uh, an accurate expression you don't know if it's true uh, if it's a, a true uh, articulation of the thing you're trying to express you don't know um, if it's any good, you were a lot of people work on stuff alone. Even if you're in a group, 
like a say a theater troupe you're acting in a theater troupe or you're doing painting and stuff you're still part of a team and you're still helping each other out but each member of that team also serves their own individual purpose and each individual has their own sovereign um job to contribute to the collective to the whole and even then it, it, it's it's hard to tell unless you can get unless you can get feedback and it's it's nice to have feedback um on on artistic endeavors because like i said you don't know you're alone all you have is your own point of view so it, it, when you're you're trapped inside yourself and you're experiencing your own timeline every moment of it it's difficult to take a step back and get a broad picture of how far you truly have progressed in things um it ain't easy to do that and it can leave you feeling pretty vulnerable because you don't know am i wasting my time is what i'm doing worthy of doing is it even any good um is it worth my time? That's one of the biggest questions. Is it worth my time? Um, and there is no right or wrong answer. It's always uh, an individual, relative, subjective question with an individual, relative, subjective answer. Uh, the answer is different for everybody. And it's not always going to be the same for any one person. So it's nice to have support. Uh, especially as an artist. And I, I'm sure there's a million other... I'm sure every field has that exact same sentiment that I've been expressing here. Um, I can only speak from the artist, artistic field because that's what my experience is in. Um, so I don't say that this experience is exclusive to the artistic endeavor. Um, in fact, I'm like 110% sure that it is not. It's just the example easiest for me to use. Now, um, that leads me to getting turned down. Well, another one of the difficulties of uh, the path, if you choose to become an actor, a professional actor, and um, if you try to get into uh, camera work, film, television, uh, you're probably unless you're like ridiculously lucky like one in a million maybe one in a few million more like you're unless you're ridiculously lucky um if you're pursuing acting for the camera work you're probably gonna have to do commercials and that might not be the thing that you really wanted to do. There are some people who do just want to do commercials. And I don't blame them because commercials pay pretty well. Uh, it's, it's rare that a commercial doesn't pay that great. Uh, it's more common for a commercial to pay really fucking damn well. Mm. Real fucking damn well. <laughs> FD, FDW. Fucking damn well. You're probably going to have to do commercials to make ends meet and to get some kind of experience and some kind of exposure. I'm not talking down on commercials at all. Um, I'll, all I'm saying is that maybe it's not the thing you were dreaming of when you were younger. You know, you probably dreamed of getting to B 
be like uh, one of your favorite actors in one of your favorite roles. Um, you probably didn't dream of like, yeah, I want to be the dish soap person. <laughs> um, so you're going to go out for these things and uh, you're going to learn about stuff. I'm, I'm curious what other schools teach. Um, in what I studied, which was theater, I learned a lot about the the art, about the craft. I learned about um, uh, derm, derma, dermatogy? Der, not, not derma. Derma's the skin. Drama, dramaturgy. learned about dramaturgy. I learned about history. I learned about theories. I learned about acting i learned different techniques uh yada 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 i learned yeah i learned all this stuff which is i think really cool we learned about everything of every aspect of it we built sets painted did wiring lighting sound uh engineering making sounds working a board working a spotlight hanging things set building yada yada choreography directing writing and then my favorite, acting. Uh, directing is for fucking masochists. Directing is the most, uh, you know, if you really hate yourself, if you really want to punish yourself, become a director. <laughs> Your vision will never come to life, no matter how hard you try. You know you want, you, you see what you want, but it, it's not, there's no way to fucking mind link with everybody else. So uh, if you really hate yourself and you really want to, you know, um, flagellate yourself uh, through your job, use your job as the cat of nine tails to bloody your spine with, become a director, I tell ya. Yes, yes, I say, become a director. A director, I say. Or if you're massively insecure and need validation because you don't know if you're doing good and you don't know if you're doing the right thing because you're just fucking alone and drowning in the world and things are fucking coming at you and everyone's so loud and I'm fucking hungover still and are these walls getting smaller? Become an actor. <laughs> Where was I going? Where was I going with this? Yeah, I got turned down for an audition. <laughs> Fuck. All of this. I I uh, I had an audition earlier this week for a car company. It, the breakdown didn't specify what car company. It was just for a car company. And there's like no lines... It was a fun audition. I like the uh, the casting director, um, and I'm fortunate to have gotten this thing. And I, I I hold no resentment for not getting the gig. I never hold resentment for not getting a gig. I get it. I get it. It's probably chances are like ninety nine point nine percent. It's not personal. It's like. Uh, just as rare to never have to do a commercial and become, you know, do live off a of film alone. It's probably as rare as that as it is uh, rare to land that as it is rare to, you know, not get something because of something personal. Um, like, like if, if you're not getting cast for something personal, what the fuck are you, 
because of something personal that you did, you've personally offended somebody, the fuck did you do, man? What did you fucking do with your life? Who and how and why did you piss them off? Like, whoa, that's weird. That doesn't happen. Um, but anyway, uh, for this, I got an audition for this car commercial. I went to it, I think, last week. Um, I ran into an old friend there um, who I hope to have on as a guest. Uh, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he's a good friend of mine, Philip. Um, he's a good actor. He's He's got the stuff. I've seen him. We've been in class together. He's got the goods. He's got it in him. So I hope to have him on here. Um, well, uh, went to this audition, and and the thing here, here's the thing that fucked me up. I auditioned well. I'm getting better at it. You get better at it every year. And sometimes you bomb, but then you get even more better. <laughs> you get even more better after bombing. Okay. Uh, where I fucked up was that I looked at how much the commercial was paying. And I, I did some calculations, and I was like, ooh, with all this stuff, and even after tax, that would pay for my car insurance and my car payments for three months straight. What a save. What a value that would be. Goodness gracious almighty. And that's where I fucked up. Because then I was like, Thinking, I, I, I told myself I shouldn't be thinking this, but I started thinking, if I got this, that would make life easier for three months. That, that's desirable. And so I kind of fucked myself there. Luckily, luckily, in the past, it probably would have fucked with me. I would have been nervous for the audition. I wasn't nervous for it. I, I acted well. As well as we could be, it was mostly improvised. There's a lot of improvisation in commercials, um, auditions, at least the ones I've been in, mostly. Um, more often than not, it's improv than it is scripted. If you say anything at all, some of you don't say anything at all. Well, um, went to the audition, and I was like, all right, we'll see. That felt good. We'll see what happens. Uh, next week rolls around, which is this week that I'm filming this. Uh, or actually it's Sunday right now, so it was last week, technically. Semantics. I, go, I, I got called back. I got, I got to go to a callback, which if you don't know about it, that's a second audition. So the first audition is a larger pool of people. They want to see who they want to call back. The idea of the people casting for the project, you start out with a large pool and then you narrow it down. Sometimes off of one audition, or some people will have a couple auditions, or multiple auditions. Um, and if it's a much bigger project, maybe they'll have you, um, they'll be comparing you with one other person trying to decide who's going to be the closest to perfect fit. That we think will be the closest to perfect fit. Closest to perfect fit for this project. Um, well... Callback is just essentially, you made the second cut. like uh, So I, I got called to the callback, which is great. And um, what time is it? I feel like it might be time to take a break. 
No, I've got a few more minutes. Let me wrap this up real quick. Uh, so, where was I going? Where was I going with this? Callback. I went to a callback. And that just kind of felt, eh, whatever. I'm probably not going to get this. Um, and then the next day, I check my email and see that I was put on hold for right of first refusal, which is, that's a really good thing. First, first sign that you're doing, that you're locking out and or doing something right in a in any audition is getting the audition in the first place. You do it, you're... You're getting fucking an audition, man. That's better than no audition. And auditioning is your job. Uh, everything else is your fucking craft. And yeah, there's work to it, but it's not the job. That's your career. But the job, the grind, is doing auditions. Um, among other um, pieces of grind as your career progresses, I suppose. Um but auditioning is the grind and to get called to an initial audition is, um, that's a treat. That's a treat. That's what that is. And to get called to a callback, that's an even better treat because they liked you and they want to see you again. Um, and they want to consider if they're going to use you for real. Um, and then being put on right of first refusal, which means... Uh, you, it's like a courtesy thing. You'll get an email saying ROFR, right of first refusal, um, which is a legal term for a different type of business transactions. But in the context of auditioning, it means that you have made the, um, the finals, not the, not the ultimate cut, but the, uh, like, um, you're you're one of the very select few that they're going to use for a particular role in a particular project. Now, when you get right of first refusal, they're asking you, they will give you some dates that the project is happening and pre-production stuff that they may need you for and possibly post-production stuff that they may need you for. When you're offered that, they're saying, we haven't cast you yet, but there's a very good chance that we might. So we're asking you to please hold those dates. Make sure those dates are open in your schedule on your calendar because those are the dates that we will need you if we do hire you. Um, however, we are offering you right of first refusal, which is to say, if you don't want to do it, let us know. And that's, you know, that's what it is. Um, so that's not saying like, it's just like a courtesy thing. I, I, I'm not sure of the history of it, but that's essentially what it is. It's saying, uh, hey, you've made the final cut. Um, is there any reason that you wouldn't want to do it? We're giving you an out here just uh, as a courtesy sort of thing. Well, I got placed on right of first refusal when I was not expecting it. Because the callback felt a little weird to me. It didn't feel bad. Um, but it didn't feel great either. It just felt a little whatever. But who cares what I feel? I It might have been something else. Uh, what matters is that you were fucking in the moment, experiencing the scene, living in the scene. Um, and that's what I strove for. And I, 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 I didn't not do it. 
<laughs> I didn't not do it. I, I'll say that. Um, and I did get put on right of first refusal. I did make the final, we got to pick one of these three, two, three, four, five, ten, whoever. You're on the final one. It's either you or and you and nobody else or one other person and nobody else. Whatever. It's that, it's that way the whole way through, but whatever. Um, I, 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 I was flabbergasted. I was like, I did not expect to be put on, uh, to make it this far after the callback, especially after I feel like I didn't really knock it out of the park. Uh, so this is a treat. Oh, and also that money that I'm fucking hooked on. Oh man, this could help so much. Oh, and it's only a day of work. Oh man, this would help so much. It's that kind of thinking that fucks me over when the next day, which yesterday, actually, Saturday, I received an email saying, sorry, you have been uh, released from holding for this commercial. Um, no need to reply. And this is certainly not the first time where I've made it down to the final is he or isn't he going to be cast moment. Um, it's not the first time I've been put on hold and offered a right of first refusal and be let go. Not not get the gig. It's not the first time. Um, my experiences, if I've gotten that far, a lot of it's been kind of 50-50, I'd say. Um, or maybe a little bit more of getting cast. I'm very fortunate. I'm a lucky, lucky guy in general. Um, but yeah, when I saw that email that I didn't get it and it's been a while, I haven't been getting a lot of gigs lately and not a whole lot of additions lately. And it's kind of, it's getting that point is like, you're constantly, when you're committed to really doing the artistic life, especially the acting life, any any kind of art life really though, um, where work is not steady for most of the time, uh, there's a constant lingering dread of, is this it? Is this finally the moment that I need to fucking go straight? Well, we'll talk about that after this short break. We'll be right back. I'm back! Satan! Rock and roll in my soul. Rub the belly. Touch the sole of my shoe. On which you spit your spittle in the middle of the sidewalk. I do talk. Of times and rhymes and waves go by and crimes committed of which I've been acquitted. A resolute discussion of my nipples tweaking. I don't know what to do. I'm not a Def Jam rhymer like you. But maybe if I try to practice, I can be one too. I'm not like you, not a Def Jam rhymer like you. But I know a thing or two about making a tune. 
Atum. Yeah, I, I got fucked up thing. Uh, you can't look at the money. You can't look at the money. Can't look at the money. Can't look at the money. Just can't think about it. If you get an audition, don't think about the fucking money. Don't think about it. Because it's going to fuck you up in one way or another. Even if you audition well, thinking, having that money thing in your mind, especially when it's like a scarce necessity, it's hard. It fucks you up on some level. And it'll really fuck you up when you probably don't get the gig. It'll fuck you up when you don't get the gig. Now, one of the things that I, I didn't learn in theater school was how the business is run. That's the one thing I didn't learn about. Now, I don't know if other programs teach uh, the ins and outs of the business and how the process runs and everything. I'm sure there are some schools that do that. However, not the ones that I have gone to and, and other people that I've talked to who studied the same thing I studied, they didn't have this experience either. I had one class, which was more like a workshop, um, the business of acting, um, one class so that was a workshop, which was a pretty good breakdown. Um, and I, I really like that teacher. He's one of my mentors who I consider my mentors. Um, a very lovely man named um, Lloyd Caldwell. He taught it. I, I think he still teaches as well at Oklahoma State University. Good guy. I was actually his, like, uh, I, I got to be his TA in grad school. I got to be his TA for stage combat. So I took stage combat. And then he liked me and he wanted me around to help teach it. So that was fucking great. That was one of my favorite classes I ever took. Stage combat. Learned about fighting with a rapier. Uh, learned about fighting with a katana. Learned about 12-point Taiwanese knife fighting, which is fucking brutal, dude. 12-point Taiwanese knife fighting. You got the face, it goes like... You know, you go in at the jaw, you go down this way, and you go down this way. So it cuts the jaw out and it slashes the jugular. Um, there's and the one of the really hardcore ones of that 12-point knife fight is you go in like like this, I believe it was. Or you go in like, I think maybe you get the blade outward, and you go into a person's chest, and then you use your other hand as leverage, and you push down. And just kind of go in through the ribs and just rip open through the ribs. Real fucking brutal. We used rubber knives, though. Props. Prop rubber knives. Blue ones. Um, and we also learned a little bit of... Oh, God. I think it was judo. I think judo. That's the one where you throw people. Yeah, I think it was judo. Sorry, Lloyd, if it was jujitsu. I know it started with the J. Pretty sure it was judo. That's fun. You roll. You roll and you throw other people, even if they're like fucking three times your size. You can just launch a motherfucker once you figure out leverage and flow and energy. 
Sorry, I'm picking my nose. I've had scabs in my fucking nostrils, especially like right here. I've had this scab in there since I was sick. Because I was blowing my nose so much, it started bleeding and it got scabby. And the left nostril's clear now, but just like on the inner side of the right nostril, it's fucking, that scab is killing me, man. I'm sick of it. Um, if you know any uh, uh, inner nostril scab remedies, shoot me a message at my email account, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. I will have it also listed in the description um, of this episode. Well, where was I going? Business, business stuff. So that's the... I, I knew about callbacks, but as far as like right of first refusal, I, I didn't learn about that. And I got a master's degree and I didn't learn about this stuff. Um, and I, I do not mean to belittle what I did learn or the lessons that they taught. Uh, it's just something I had to learn as I went along. Um, and I think it would be a valuable um, class for people um, aspiring to be actors. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what goes into the um, engineering business of it. All I know is the acting business of it. And I know that you have to audition and uh, so I, I didn't learn about that. What I did learn, one thing that Lloyd did teach us was about um, agents and how to avoid scam agents. So there are scam agencies um, looking to make money off of you, not by getting you work, but by getting you to pay them. Lloyd told us many, many times up and down, never, ever, ever pay an agent other than their 10 or 15% depending on whatever where you live contract kind of thing it should never be more than 15% it should be around 10% I think I think as far as I've read and from my experience 10 to maybe 15 depending on the contract project type etc there's there's a lot of different details but uh, for simplicity's sake, let's say 10 or 15, no more than 15. That's the percentage that your agency keeps from the money that you get from projects that you land. Uh, hopefully, the agent will be getting helping to get you called in for auditions. And the agent also negotiates contracts for each gig um helps negotiate contracts so that's what your agent do does uh, they also they get like certain rights and they have better connections they can get different types of breakdowns and they have connections with casting directors and other clients and stuff they have a network uh, from which they draw to help you the actor um, whom they are representing to help you get work um, however, an agent doesn't get all of your work, um, especially starting out. You, you'll probably get more commercial work, but when it comes to more creative stuff, uh, especially if you're not well known, it's like pff, there's no one knows the fucking key to that. No one knows. Um, and definitely you can start out, uh, go to do classes, go to open mics, go to... Um, 
you know, networking mixer events sort of things. <clears throat> um, you can do student films and short films, indies and stuff like that. Small, really small, like no budget kind of things. Do those things and build up a resume and get to know people. Um, I've done that to the best of my abilities thus far. Um, to the best of my abilities thus far, I have pursued these things. Um, and I still haven't had a lot of luck. Um, and I don't know if that's simply because of things that I did or didn't do, or if it's because of other things in life. Um, I know that certainly I, I did um, compromise myself. I, I, I sold myself short and I have compromised my chances in auditioning for other things, for plays that I got in. Just life was really fucking falling apart. I was having legal problems and uh, I, I was feeling overwhelmed and I was like, I don't know if I can add... Um, play to all this stuff because I'm like literally going crazy right now. I can't sleep. I've got too much going on. I already don't have any free time and I'm going nuts. So I, I turned that down and then I've turned down or just not, not gone to other things or pursued other uh, potential opportunities or presented opportunities simply because I was fucking scared. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I deserved it. I was just fucking scared. Um, I can think of at least a handful of times where I have um, compromised myself and I I regret those. I regret that I, I don't regret a lot of things, but I regret the things that I, I didn't do simply because I was um, anxious and, and not like a good kind of anxious. Anxiety is not always bad. It's... Uh, you know, it's a biological response to a threat. Now, whether the, the key, especially for humans, is is that threat real or non-existent? Um, and that's, again, one, a list. Add that to the list of things that make it difficult to pursue at least an acting career. That's another one of the things that you don't know. Another one of the things that makes you feel alone and just kind of uh, insecure and floating and you don't know if you're making progress, so on and so forth. And that's the thing that uh, that makes it that much sweeter when someone does um, extend some faith and confidence and compliments toward you uh, and, and what you're pursuing. So you don't feel quite so crazy and delusional. Because it's easy to feel crazy and delusional, um, especially in the field. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. What was I going with? Things I didn't learn in school. Agents, agents. Um, okay, so Lloyd taught us again and again and again, do not pay an agent for if an agent asks you to cut them a check. Unless the only time you should be cutting uh, an agent a check is um, if it's for some kind of like extra, I suppose. Some agents do this. There's a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of businesses have different um, services that they offer. 
Um, and some businesses run schemes or try to, you know, work some kind of way to get some revenue flow. Um, but you know, some places it is okay. Sometimes I suppose, like if there's something like, if you want to get extra content on your, um, agents, agency's website, like you get a profile a lot of the time you'll usually get a profile, your picture and your name on there, maybe a brief bio. If you want to get extra stuff on there, like reels and stuff like this, it's like, uh, I don't know. It makes sense that they would charge you a little extra, but not a whole lot. Um, the only money they should really be getting is, uh, unless I'm vastly mistaken from everything I've learned and experienced the, the money that the agent gets is the percentage of the money that you make from the job that the agent helped you get. There it is. Um, now, when I first moved to Austin, and I, I, I moved here with hopes and dreams that, yeah, I'm going to get, in, you know, indie films and shit in no time. No problem. No, it was a problem. And it's still not happening that much. Or it's just not happening, period. Make your own work. If you can't find work, make your own work, you know. But um, my first agency here, I, I came here with that mantra, don't pay fucking agent. Like, you know what a scam looks like. Don't fall for a scam. Came here, first thing I did, fall for a scam. I cut an agent a check because I was like, well, this is my own opportunity. And I knew, I knew. I had an out-of-body experience as I was cutting that guy a check. I was like, this is uh, I'm floating above myself as I'm um, reading over this contract and then ultimately signing it and writing in my fucking checkbook to get represented. $200? You... Moron! $200? No, no, no. You fell for a fucking scam, you moron. And I was saying this to myself, just floating above myself, watching me cut that check and screaming, don't fucking do it. But then my little body cutting the check, shivering and afraid, uh, just kept saying, well, this is... <sighs> I know I shouldn't be doing this, but this is really my only opportunity. No. No, 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 no. Don't go thinking like that, people. If you catch yourself uh, in a situation like that, no. Just say no. If you catch yourself thinking like that, no. Cut yourself off. You're undercutting yourself by thinking that way. No. There is no justification. If you know that you're falling into a scam, there's, there's no justification to go through with it. No matter what way you try to justify it in your mind, don't do it. Just don't do it. So that's one of the things to look out for when you get into acting. And there's a lot of people. There's some people that um, they'll recommend. They'll have their recommended photographers that they work with. There's a lot of different scams, schemes that go on with different agencies where they will, um, they'll say like, yo, we want to, 
we want to represent you, but you're going to have to get a photograph with one of our photographers, one of our recommended photographers. And a lot of times those photographers are grossly overpriced. And also the agency gets a kickback from that. That's a scam. Don't do it. Because those people, those agencies will try to say like, look, we can't cast you unless you get a, a photograph from this person or a reel from this person. No, 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 no. That's a scam. Agents, they can recommend photographers to you that they know of. Um, they can help people out. But if it's like set up where we will only work with you if you get with one of the people that we get kickbacks from, that's a scam. That's a scam. A real agent has no problem with you going to a third party, unaffiliated person to get a photograph, especially if it's really good and saves you money, maybe even. Um, so that's one thing to look out for. And then there's just the life part. There were a lot of people, and I even fell for it, where it was like, um, I'm going to get acting work in no time. No problem. It's, I'm, I'm, things are going steady right now. I can just quit my day job. And I did that. I worked at a Starbucks. Fucking hated it. Fucking hated it. That's a story for another time. But uh, I, I, they threw me into a really bad situation with no training and then wondered why I was struggling. Um, so during the holidays, nonetheless, uh, the winter holidays where they're non-stop. Oh, it's great. Someone's doing the fucking lawnmower right now. Oh, no, no, no. That's a motorcycle. Good. I was like, great. Am I going to have to pause this now? Nah. Um, so, yeah, those are things to look out for if you're looking to get into the acting thing and you don't have experience and you're wondering how the business goes. It's like that. It's like that. Now, uh, let's see. I've talked about things. I've talked about things, yeah? Let's see what I've talked about. Other things. Ah, Jaime sent me some... Uh, he said here, he sent me an email to my email address, which you're welcome to email me. That thing with James at gmail.com. If you have epiphanies, uh, ideas, questions, suggestions, um, if you need advice, email me. If you know anyone that needs uh, questions answered or need advice, tell them. Have them email me. If you know about anyone else that likes this show, have them watch. The more the merrier. Okay, so here's the email from Jaime. James, I had a profound thought recently. What came first? What? Easy for me to read. All right, let's start this over. James, I had a profound thought recently. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, and then, did a woman evolve before man or vice versa? Exclude the Christianity man rib belief. Jaime. Jaime, don't worry, man. I don't buy the rib shit. <laughs> I don't buy that shit. Uh, anyway... So what came first, the chicken or the egg? The egg. Egg came first. I've thought about this before, 
um, years ago, and then your question reminded me of it, and I was like, oh yeah, the egg came first. And then just this morning, I came across an article about saying like, well, the egg came first. I guess some scientists did it. I'm a terrible person. I, I, I just look at a headline and go like, show me the dog pictures. Show me the cats and dogs. Um, so yeah, the egg came first because the... Um, okay. If we're talking about a chicken, the very first chicken, that means that creature who is the chicken uh, was born with new traits, um, a new iteration of adaptation in a um, mammalian fowl. The egg came first uh, because the chicken had to be born before it could bear other chickens. So maybe something that was a non-chicken um, had sex with something else and it passed on, it, it, it adapted as it survived. So what's a non-chicken, but it adapted new things, new traits as it lived and then passed that information on to its offspring, which was born with these new traits inherently instead of learned, they were born with these new traits and they were born as a chicken. Uh, but they had to be born first, so the egg came first. Um, like if a human were going to be born, a human came from something else first. So that something else uh, came before. If, if humans were born into eggs, they would be delicious and huge. But that's beside the point. Um... If chickens were people, the egg would still come first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the second question, which came first, woman or man? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to be a, a researcher of some kind to know that. I don't, I don't know if there's a way to tell that uh let's see well certainly the um whatever the first human ones human was was born out of a female um but it happened so slowly over time the changes happen so slowly so it's like at what point that here here's here's a question that occurs to me at what point um does a pre-human stop becoming stop being a pre-human be a modern human at what point does that happen is it is there some generation some iteration that says okay this is this thing which is dissimilar to this other thing is there a certain point where that happens where they'll say all right these two there's like barely any dis uh, difference between the two However, this thing's a chicken, and that's not. Even though the differences are, like, all, almost non-existent. I think that's a, that's a question that I don't know how to answer. Um, but either way, the egg came first, for sure. For sure the egg. So...
Now, here's a question for you. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it still make a sound? That's a Zen koan. That's, I really like Zen koans. If you're not familiar with Zen koans, it's a Zen Buddhist thing, which is a uh, Japanese form of Buddhism, one that I really dig. It's very much like a deconstructed kind of no bullshit, really simple, bare essentials kind of thing. Although you could even strip things down a little more than Zen because Zen has a lot of rules. Um, but they exist for a reason. Um, but part of Zen Buddhism are these things called koans. Spelled koan is K-O-A-N. That's how it's spelled in English. And it's questions like, uh, like that. Uh, um, the tree and forest thing. Or like, what is the sound of one hand clapping? They're questions that are designed to disrupt your thought patterns. Not, dis not disrupt in a disturbing sort of way, but just whatever track you're on, it's, it, it stops you in the middle of what you're doing and go, whoa, it shakes you into like, whoa. And for even if it's just a split second, you kind of stop thinking. And that experience of no thought is enlightenment. That's what enlightenment is, at least in Zen Buddhism, as far as I understand it. Let me see how, what time we're at now. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to end this episode with a story about the first time I ever went to a strip club. It was after grad school. The year was 2012. After grad school, I was living with my parents for the summer. It was the summertime. And, uh, oh, oh, excuse me, I just had to pop my back. Uh, I, I was living with my parents, trying to figure out where I was going to move. Is it going to be Chicago or is it going to be Austin, Texas? Um, life, family, world was falling apart. For me, in a, a figurative sense, the world did end on 2012. Um, it doesn't mean that it stopped existing, but it, uh, something else happened. It, a lot of things went down 2012. Um, well, same with my parents. In my hometown, small hometown in Oklahoma, with two whole stoplights on the main street, um, and, and just on the, just outside of the city limits, north, just north of my hometown, there is a bar owned by one of my cousins, a female cousin. Um, I don't know how much older she is than me, but I think she's at least, I think she's about 10 years older, I would say so, maybe. Um, well, she kind of part-owned and ran this this bar up there called Club 69. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's called Club 69. And right next to that 
bar, Club 69, is a strip club, which, if I remember correctly, is called Twisters. I think it's called Twisters. Um, there is another strip club south, just south of my hometown city limit. That place was called the Tangle Net. I had a friend who lived near there. Um, well, Twisters was north and right across from Club 69 where I was hanging out, getting drinks and being very disappointed because my cousin, she did not give me free drinks and she didn't even give me a family discount. I was paying full price, you bitch. Well, I was paying full price, sitting by myself. And uh, another one of my cousins comes in. This guy's a little closer to my age. He's a year or two older than me. And it's a he, a male, a cis male, comes in with his then wife, um, whom he is no longer with. But at that time, he and that woman were married. And they came in, um, and I believe that woman had a couple children, um, not by my cousin, just from a previous relationship. My cousin married in and was a stepfather to these children. Well, my cousin comes in to the bar, and I'm not paying attention. I'm just sitting at the bar, just kind of staring into space, minding my own business, um, drinking a beer, and... Uh, feel a pat on my shoulder. I turn and it's my cousin. And um, we were like, we were a year or two apart in school. So, and, and we were in the same program, uh, the same extracurricular program. And uh, so we knew each other. We'd known each other for a long time. Um, since I was in fifth grade, essentially, because uh, band, it was band. Fine. I'll fucking say it. It was band, both marching and concert band. If you're in band there, you do both marching and concert, um, marching during football season, concert when there's no football season. <clears throat> and there was also jazz band, which was like extra extracurricular, but I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, well, cousin comes in. Uh, sits, buys me a drink, we catch up, and he and his wife say, hey, we came, we just came here to get our drink on before going to Twister's next door. You want to come with? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm not doing anything else. I don't have any plans. And so I went with them to the strip club. Now, this was the first time I had ever been to a strip club. First time ever. Um... And I was expecting some dancers who looked, you know, what I was expecting was probably older dancers who looked like a blown out tire on the side of a Louisiana interstate highway. You know, Slidell and wrinkly, leathery skin human form with tits sagging down to the toes uh, you know, cigarette hanging out, fucking misty slim, extra long hanging out. Hey, hon, you want to dance? I was expecting that kind of thing. What? Uh, 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 but the dancers at Twisters really uh, caught me by surprise. They were all around my age, uh, in their 20s, 
and they were all very attractive. They were really attractive. I was like, wait a second, wait a second. You guys are way, you gals are way too attractive to be around here. Like, where the fuck do you people live? Where the hell are you? I don't see people like you around here. Not to say that there's not other beautiful people in my hometown. There are. You're all beautiful. But, I mean, these were like, good, good, go. At least at the time. I'm, I'm sure, maybe. Because I, I was like drunk at the time. So probably they, I, I might be putting them up on a pedestal here in the experience. Um, but it was like, you know, the conventional, but with the edge. You know, conventional kind of what they want you to think is beautiful, attractive kind of thing. But they also had an edge because they're dancers. They're kind of like had that goth edge to it. And I was like, oh my God, yes, this is awesome. And totally not what I expected. And they made me feel good about myself, which was great because I was feeling really down about myself. Just, it was a big confidence boost. And I really had to tell myself like, okay, all right, James, that's their job. That's their job is to talk nice to you and make you feel wanted and, you know, more than nothing. So that's going on. Meanwhile, my cousin and his then wife are handing me like stacks of $1 bills to give to the dancers. And well, you know, I, I, I say I was surprised by all this stuff by, um, you know, they weren't like human skid marks dancing. I was surprised by that. And, um, but I, I, just the fact that I was in a strip club and it was the first time I'd ever been in a strip club. Um, I, 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 f I felt bad, honestly. I, I felt really like this feels really bad because these people are, you know, I feel like this is, this is fucking objectifying these women. Do they really want to be doing this? Is it like, morally ethical for me to be doing uh, like doing this being here is this right am i like helping cause a fucking problem i don't know i feel awkward about this this is a really awkward situation and it doesn't feel good well anyway like that feeling kind of drifted away as my cousins kept plying me with liquor and beer and giving me stacks of ones to give to the dancers. And the first time they did that, I, I, I walked up just kind of shuffling in these small two-inch steps, shuffling up to the, to the stage with a wad of money in my hand, and I cannot look up. I'm just looking down at the ground, watching where I'm walking, until I get to the edge of the stage, and I look up, and it's this really cute girl, and she's, like, looking at me as if I'm, like, you know, wantable, and that felt great, because I didn't feel wantable at the time, and I just kind of was like, thank you, just, you know, get a few dollars and stick it out, hand it to her, like, thank you, I think you're doing a really good job at what you're doing, and then putting my head back down and walking back to the table and sitting next to my cousin and his wife, who are becoming more and more interested in me and in particular interested in my chest hair because I was wearing a black button-down shirt um, and and I like to wear my button-down shirts when it's warm um, I like to show chest 
it's breathable and just feels good. And I like the way it looks. Well, my cousin and his wife liked the way it looked too. In fact, they both ran their fingers through my short curly chest hairs. And there's quite a few of them. They ran their fingers through and giggled and looked at each other and gave me gaga eyes, kind of looking me up and down, almost as if they were checking me out. But it's my cousin and his wife. They couldn't possibly be checking me out, could they? Oh, but they're handing me another shot. Don't mind if I do. And you're not charging me anything for it just because we're, we're family? Okay, I'm down with this for sure. I do that, and I have a good time, and they're just getting more and more familiar with me and stuff, um, and, uh, the night ends, I go home, whatever, uh, the next night, I go out, back to Club 69, and my cousin shows up with his wife again, and they say yet again, let's go to the strip club, and I said, let's do it. And this time I felt not quite so bad. I didn't feel like I was sinning so much. The sin had passed. I'd already done it. And now I was a sinner. And I was going to do what a sinner does. Be lecherous. <laughs> Titties. Dancing around. Booze. Hanging out. Hitting on one of the stripper's sisters. Which I did. Because she was a cutie pie too. And she was telling me at, up at the bar while I was getting everyone around of beers and shots um, uh, funded by my cousin. You know, uh, I meet this girl. She's cute. And she's the one year younger sister of one of the dancers. So she's my age. And she's so cute and sweet. And I like her voice and stuff. And she's interested in me. Um, maybe, 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 maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. She was talking to me. And I took that as, yeah, I've gotten in. Um, so I talked to her and I'm like, I'm laying it on. You know, what the fuck ever. Whatever. I've got some booze in me. I'm laying it on. I don't have a lot of time. My life's falling apart. I got nothing to lose. I got nothing, so I got nothing to lose. I'm hitting on this sister and she's telling me, oh, I'm with this guy and he's got kids they're not my kids, but he's dating me, and he treats me like shit, and he's a piece of shit, he's such a jerk, and I've got his kids and all this stuff, and I'm like, babe, you, no, I didn't call her babe, no, no, I don't do that, but I was like, you deserve to be treated like a queen, you're so nice and smart, oh, I'm not that smart, you are, I'm not that pretty, no, you're beautiful, and you're so smart, and you, I can tell, and you de fucking you deserve a chance. You deserve someone to treat you well. I'm gonna, I can treat you well. I'll do it. And I eat your pussy real good too. I'll do it. Well, she didn't, you know, she didn't take me up on my very generous offer. So that didn't happen. Go back to the table, and my cousin and his wife, they're. They're getting more lubricated from uh, the spirits and the brews. And they're really getting in closer and stuff. And they start talking about sexy stuff with each other. They talk about their sex life. 
And it sounds, they're not saying that they're open, like an open relationship. They're not saying they're swingers, but they're not not saying it either. And they're not doing anything to, uh, you know, uh, negate that idea. In fact, it's seeming to me that they're kind of insinuating that they are kind of open to adding people into the mix, to the uh-uh, to the ee to the hump on your baby, gonna sperm on the baby, gonna poo poo, wanna pee pee, I wanna squeeze on the titty, fart and make you look pretty. Again, I'm not a Def Jam artist, alright? I'm a fucking author. I'm a writer, man. Anyway, 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 you know, I'm just the voice of a generation, okay? Okay, I'm humble, I'm, I'm, I'm humble, alright? I'm humble. I'm just the voice of the generation, all right, man. I'm humble. I've got the clear voice. I've got the clear view. I've got the I've got the wit, man. I got a huge wit. You know, that's what wit means in Shakespearean terms. In Shakespeare language, if there's something that sounds like it might possibly be sexual, it might possibly be a sexual double entendre or sexual innuendo, innuendo, it is. It is. There's so many just like balls, asshole, dirty, sperm shit, sex jokes, scat jokes, sex jokes. Shakespeare loved that shit. It's all over. All those fluids and pieces of matter are splattered all over the words of the pages of Shakespeare's genius. So if you're aspiring to write something of literary merit, you don't have to shy away from the lowbrow shit. As a matter of fact, that might be some of the most genius, highbrow genius you put out in the world. Take it from me. The genius voice of a generation. The shit-tongued, scat-brained, highbrow, genius language crafter from LensCrafters in the Walmart, by the highway, living in a van, not near the river. That's right. Hum- humble, humble embodied right here. That's me getting act on by my cousin. And they're just saying like, oh, man, I bet you got some low hangers. Yeah. So do you like, uh, have you ever done anal? Like, have you ever done a three way? What, what do you think about doing a three way? Have you ever done one? I didn't tell them that I had done a three way. And I haven't told you that story either, but I'm sure I'll get to it some episode. But I didn't say this kind of stuff. I was just kind of like, okay, okay. I'm going to not answer these questions because this is uncomfortable. Because I feel like I'm getting eye-molested. I mind-fucked and eye-molested by this woman who's married to my cousin. And my cousin who's married to this woman... And they've got a kid, and uh, and uh, but the cousin and the wife are—they're like—they're really hitting on me right now. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. So I—I I do what I can. Get out as soon as I can, because I'm starting to really catch on. Like, oh, okay, okay, okay. The four of my mind hadn't comprehended it yet. But uh, my my lizard brain, my survival, my brain stem was like, you gotta go. Bad times high up ahead. You gotta go. 
get off the bus or else you're going to have a bad time. So I jumped off the bus, got in my car, drove home. Next morning, I tell my mom about it because my dad's asleep. I wake up early. She wakes up early making coffee, having breakfast. And I tell her the story and everything that happened. I'm like, you know, this, I I, I kind of got a weird um, impression from my cousin and his wife and how they were, you know, behaving with me. So I, I told her what happened. I didn't tell her what exactly I thought was going on, but I told her how I felt and um, the events that happened. But I didn't jump to any conclusions. I left that up to her. And she caught that ball and tossed it right into the goal. Nothing but net. Swish. Quote. I think your cousin and his wife are trying to fuck you. End quote. <laughs> She called it. She called it. I was either being vetted for a uh, cuck session or an incestuous three-way. Either way, I didn't. I I didn't take that bus to bad times high. I jumped off it. So um, there's something I feel proud of myself for. I did something good and right in my life. If nothing else. If of all the other things I feel um, uh, insecure and listless about, at least I know I uh, didn't get into a cuckle-fuckle session with my cousin and his wife. And on that note, I'm going to bid you all adieu. As always, thank you for watching. I love you. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're passionate. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. And it's probably, if there's something you feel guilty for, it may or may not be your fault. But if it's some like deep down hurt, it's probably not your fault. Probably not your fault. Because I believe in you. And I believe you're a good person. And if you're having a hard day, or even if you're having a good day, just take a few minutes grab a pencil or a pen or a marker and something to write on piece of paper dry erase board your partner's butt cheeks write down a list of 10 things you are grateful for they can be anything the fact that you're breathing how soft the chair that you're sitting on feels the fact that you're able to speak food clouds that one time you like that thing anything 10 things that you're grateful for write them down and um be good all right bye